0: Welcome back to Agile After Dark. This time, we have our good friend, Nitin Damaja, who's been a developer, a project manager, a scrum master, and an Agile coach. We talk with Nitin about developers as artists, management debt, and sympathy versus empathy. We have some sympathy for Nitin after Greg and I both go on rants. That's right, it's a rant-filled episode we hope you enjoy.
1: Welcome to Agile After Dark the podcast that addresses agile topics not talked about in the light of day. I'm your host, Greg Adams Whitford, sitting here and there is Brandon Gartley, my co-host and resident nerd. It's good to be here. And
0: actually, you know, I'm I'm actually very glad you're here, Greg. I'm going to be honest about this because you left me to do the show on my own last time.
1: Yeah, I was very disappointed that you went ahead without me because (laughs) what is this show without me? Like, well, I'm yeah, just asking questions. Greg's
0: rants, EVP of being a dick. Yeah, you know, I know. It's, it's a tough role to I fill all on your own.
1: I know. I know and you probably had to mix it up with the drinks, etc. So, but I did listen to it by the way and it was a great podcast. How do you get to to hear that pod? I demand you go back and listen to that podcast from last week. How do you get there, Brandon?
0: Uh, it's agileafterdark.com.
1: So, Brandon After last week's amazing podcast that didn't include me, yeah, the very James Lipton slow deep voice. Yes, and you know I'll be the judge of how successful that was. But (laughs) today we have a very special guest. Nitten comes to us. Um, newer to our team, and he has been a developer um, in the past and has now kind of made his way over to the Agile Coaching um, sphere. Uh, And so we're going to talk to him today about what that looks like for us. Yeah, exactly. And and actually, Nitin was supposed to be part of
0: the Inside the Apollo 13 Studio show last week. Yeah, he was. He was supposed to be
1: part of it, but he too...
0: Uh, surprise, surprise, was uh, a little delayed in getting here, so
1: Nitin, we welcome you. Okay, uh, so Nitin, how do you feel about Apollo 13, the studio Apollo 13?
2: I almost feel I'm on a different planet. <laughs>
1: it's shiny, it, right?
2: It, it creeps me a little bit, <laughs> but I love I'm on a different planet. Yeah.
0: You know what I should do? I should, I should turn the fireplace on for you, just for a little mood lighting. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Sure, why not? <laughs> I'm from that, Texas, so this is a novelty to me. I that's don't know right.
1: what fireplace is. <laughs> Will set his cupcake on fire. You don't dare do that, Greg. He's got a cupcake. Cupcake
2: is my lifeline. Although it's red velvet, it's not red, but I still love it. So, Nitten,
1: you got a cupcake next to you. And what to explain the cupcake, because it's a pretty amazing thing.
2: So, So, Brandon's wife made this, and thank you. It's not red. It's not red, but the frosting is spot on. It's still brown, doesn't have coloring, which I love. It makes something go wrong with me, but it tastes amazing. So So, thank you. So
0: this now has become a food
1: podcast. Yeah, it's good. Which, (laughs) Which, by the way, (laughs) we could do. It's actually a lot more interesting. Which we could do because... (laughs) We go from 10 listeners to like 100. (laughs) Brandon, here in the heartland in Apollo 13 Studio, if you step just outside of Apollo 13 Studio, you will see every accessory known to man involving cooking like every <laughs> from bread makers to juicers to pasta, juicers maker, pasta, maker, to pasta, pasta makers yeah. to everything yeah. everything is in it's it's enshrined like a museum <laughs> i would say in this little small place so it, well that's enough about me but
0: uh nitton uh, we really appreciate you being here as we kind of ramble on but uh you know just kind of uh, help our, you know, our 10 listeners understand kind of your background, where you're coming yeah, from. We have 12 listeners. Oh, we have 12 now? 12, yes. Oh, okay. Awesome. I haven't Don't looked at the dare. latest data. Don't yeah. you dare. Okay. All right. So, yeah, uh, and then just kind of give us a sense of, you know, kind of where you're coming from and kind of uh, that'll help us transition into what we're supposed to talk about today.
2: Awesome. You know, I'm I'm smiling. I know people can hear me, but it's um. so I started um, as a developer, mainframe developer for about 15 years back and that was for a consulting firm Um, amazing experience because that was my first job right out of the college wanted to make a difference wanted to do something different wanted to make a mark and um, I love what I did Looked at the blue and the black screen for a while. That is uh, an
0: amazing screen. I have no idea how you oh can make God. any sense out of that. It's, <laughs> was it, w- it COBOL? What was the language? It, you it was do?
2: COBOL, JCL, mm-hmm. um, and then we did online um, with CICS and batch was um, um, you know DB2 and JCLs and all those bad jobs. So I have done that, and that was all OS 390 um did that oh, for about three yeah hmm, so did that yeah. so all the tso screens i love the you know the time i spent there because that was what you know got you know ingrained in me as how to how developers are right the, the thought process the camaraderie with different people so did that for about five years loved it as Wait, you I said. said
1: you loved you loved the the green, black, blue, black screen. Yes. You just said that. Did yes. you say that? Yes, I did. And you were honest about it.
2: Yes, I was. Until I was a developer. So my thought process is if I'm doing something, I gotta love it. If I push myself for it, that's so be it, right? So I loved the time I did. There was always a tussle in me. There's like, hmm, maybe that's something not I wanna do for my entire life, right? There was, there was a there was a different bug inside me which said Hey, I gotta go find a different purpose in life. So I loved the time I spent there, but then from there on, evolved to be a business analyst and a project manager in the big bad waterfall world, and created all those Gantt charts. And then became a Scrum master and got exposed to this completely different way of, you know, life doing mm-hmm. work. And I was a poster child of opposing it for for a while, probably a year or six months to say, this is not something that will work for me, right? I was hardwired to do, be always right, be always, try to be on budget and, and you know, produce results and being a consultant, that added an additional layer of being that accountability. And I was like, hmm, this is not going to work. But then I got introduced to a coach who helped me understand what, this new way, way of working is all about and since then it you know took me a while to understand what it is but since then i you know evolved to be a completely different person right how i view life um, and i've been you know working and helping teams since then as scrum masters and eventually as, as coach
1: yeah so brandon why don't you introduce this episode because you wrote this and i don't know if i can get through it <laughs> so why don't you
0: Wow. go through wow.
1: the Just, title of the episode, which is what yeah. um, Nitten was giving us an, a prelude to.
0: This is amazing because I w- I was a little stressed about it last time when you weren't here, and I was like, oh, can I get the title right? And I was trying to do the whole James Lipton very serious thing. But yes, so uh, we kind of want to examine, you know, what what the life of uh, of a developer is, and uh, I, you know, what came to mind is. You know, how how you know appreciate our developers and the everyday kind of work system that we're in, and so I kind of you know went a little holiday on it and came up with it's a developer life, every deployment
1: an engineer gets his wings. Okay, well well, well done. That was good. Nitton, how do you feel about that? I
2: love <laughs> I love wings. This is-
0: <laughs> so. All right. so do you want to lead into <laughs> yeah. what you going to do your nerd thing? Yeah, right well, no, it's not here? a nerd thing. I just kinda of wanna give it a, an overall, you know, summary because we, we were we got some feedback on feedback at agileafterdark.com about, you know, making sure that the listeners knew kind of what we are gonna be covering during the podcast so they can say, Okay, we'll to listen to this first section and forget the rest of it, which I don't recommend because the outtakes are worth it. Um, but so if initially we're gonna kinda of talk about kind of what's the evolution of the developer role been in kind of the last fifteen years. Uh, given Ninton was, you know, kind of doing that back then. And, you know, it's kind of seeing how it's progressed both as a developer and a coach over time. Uh, and Greg and I will kind <clears> of <throat> do do a little bit of grilling, a little, little ranting. Um, and then get into kind of what, what does it mean in terms of in teams, we're trying to create positive work environments. What does that mean in terms from a developer's perspective? You know, uh, developers, kind of the expectation from them in terms of let's deliver, 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 you know, if we have a positive work environment where developers aren't feeling that they're kind of under the gun to deliver on milestones and, and, you know, timelines, you know, is that, is that actually something that uh, works in the real world or is that just kind of the barefoot hippie fantasy? Uh, And then kind of really getting into if we didn't have developers, what would that mean? Right. What, what do we, what would the world be if we didn't have developers? And if we did, do we have better empathy? for developers?
1: Well, I think what's also interesting is, Nitin, your journey from developer to project manager to program manager to, you know, w- whatever that was, worrying about budgets, That that's an interesting course because typically how I feel about developers is they're creatives, right? And if they're doing good work, they're focused on solving a problem, a business problem through technology. And splitting this concept of being a technology manager, you know, or development manager is, you know, kind of, you know, it's, uh, an issue because you're not at that point, you're not being a creative person and you're not solving those problems. So I think your journey is interesting. And when you're talking about going from developer to project manager specifically, which makes me insane. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's an interesting story that I think we're going to pick up on.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that's a good place to, to kind of start, which is, you know, Kind of, we're coming out of out of uh, university and saying, okay, my first job, I'm going to be doing development in in crazy mainframe stuff, which is like Greg and I still find amazing. But you know, kind of what was you know your first reaction to? Okay, now I've been put in the situation where I have to deliver. Kind of what was that experience like for you?
2: So I think very different, right? As you said, you know, developers are more creative people. They're concerned about their art they want to be respected on what they do.
1: And let's let's not just gloss over that term art, because I believe that. Developers, good developers are artists. They're like creatives, right? Don't you agree?
2: I, I totally agree, right? We as developers, you know, though my past life, we would always own up to and stand by our work, right? That's our pride, right? Just as an um, a tattoo artist or maybe as an as a pedicure nail paint artist would would do work they always stand by their work we would always do we might you know f up at some point right we we'll always do as humans but we always would stand up by our work so it's it's a, it's a very creative you know field to be in um, and you know till I was there I had you know my father always taught me to be good at whatever you do right and I was like when I'm Whatever I'm doing, I'm gonna put my heart and soul into it, which I did. So loved it, but there was a big tussle inside me which 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 said that this is not something I want to do for my life, right? Mm-hmm. For for my entire life. I wanna be something else, right? And that was part of the reason that pushed me doing my into my MBA as well. So got my master's from UT Austin as a general MBA, and there was this drive in me to be something else you know, learn different things. And, you know, that's what, you know, made me do different roles. I've done, you know, business analyst and eventually became project manager, managed budgets. But there was something in which me which kept on saying that, you know, it doesn't match with my personality or doesn't match with how we should be doing work, right? Pushing people on projects to meet time and budget, which never happened.
1: So let me ask you a question. So, I've managed lots of developers over the years, and I will say, you know, developers are a pain in the ass. (laughs) And because they're creatives. Oh, so they're creatives. Because they're creatives, right? Because they, and you can't stifle that and get the results that you want to get. But how do you go from taking somebody who's a creative who might not ever be a good technical manager or a good manager? to what you described which was going through an mba and all of that like there's a difference between being a great developer and being always a good creative versus being a manager who can manage creatives there's a difference right
2: yes so i think the difference comes in you know part of how you approach a different situation right um being being a developer you know as as i said you're cre- you're creative you are passionate you love what you do you are you're passionate about your art there's a big sense of community camaraderie and respect that comes with it right as a developer you would want to be respected in the art you're producing right now when you become a technology manager it's it's a completely different mindset you you are solving problems still but those problems might be different. So I think you still carry that aptitude, right? You still carry those problem-solving skills. The problems just metamorphosize, get metamorphosized into different set of problems. So you take that aptitude that you have learned of problem-solving and try to solve different problems. You might need a different set of skill sets, like how do you deal with people different kind of people, people coming from different walks of life, people coming from different cultures. Um, how do you respect them? How do you have them work together as a team? How you basically create a team, right? Those skill sets is are what you yeah. pick along yeah. to help you transition.
0: Yeah. And, you know, so... When you kind of like first got into doing the development work, were you were you on a development team? Were you part of an overall project? Kind of what was the the setup there in terms of how you were doing your work as a creative developer?
2: So I I have done everything you you, you mm-hmm. can think of. So I've done maintenance projects. I've been on support calls, um, and you know
1: mainframe. Yes, mm-hmm. you, you,
2: you all yeah. So you always you know it's so I've I've. Gotten up at 2 a.m. in the morning trying to fix a problem and calling a friend, hey, do you know? You know, because you you you're closer to you were closer to the systems to 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 tell me or try to file, find a problem. So it's 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 different because yeah. you are still solving those problems, uh, but you know, talking to, you know, people around you. So maintenance projects, yes. Also development projects. Mm-hmm. Um, doing some kind of analyst work as well, getting into the code, seeing what code really means, because every code has a business logic instilled in it. Right. So learning those, um, working on enhancement projects. So I I have done it all. Okay. Um, working with teams, working with developers. Um, so I don't I don't think there was anything in the mainframe world that I didn't do, that any. You know, any, any mainframe developer would do. Uh,
0: yeah, and based on that, I'm kinda of curious in terms of we're kinda of talking about a day in the life of a developer, right? And it's changed over time, as we know. But kinda of when you were in it, you know, kinda of in the weeds of it, you know, what were some of the things that you you saw that just by kind of being involved in in a project, or whatever that, you know, really made things very successful versus things that were consistent in terms of really Making it much harder to, to achieve your goals,
1: and also I think like when you said Brandon, when you titled this episode, mm-hmm. which you did so you know adeptly as the producer, <laughs> every engineer gets his wings versus developer, which I would change as mm-hmm. engineer developer, but gets his wings. Like what what are you s- trying to bring out of that conversation? Like what does that mean? Yeah, I mean it, it's
0: it's really. I mean, I really was, you know, uh, trying to say it's a wonderful life, right? Like, well, you know, that whole concept of that movie is if this person was like totally removed from everyday life, you know, what would that mean to everyone around them? And, and that's kind of where I was going with kind of a developer. You know, if a single developer was taken out of something, you know, our, our friend Regender had a, had a word for it called the truck factor. Yeah. Which means, you know, if yep. a developer is hit yep. by a truck, what would that mean for the next day? Yeah. And I'm not trying to be as, you know, uh, dark as that. But, you know, in terms of, you know, for you and your particular past experience, you know, if you were kind of all of a sudden remove yourself from whatever you were working on, you know, what would what would that mean in terms of how the teams and the systems around you, what, what would the kind of look? Because that's what I was going for, like, what would be, you know, you see as your involvement in terms of things being very, very successful versus, you know, the things that you constantly ran against.
1: And I think it's it goes back into in teams. You brought it up early. Mm-hmm. Like, a team matters, right? A team is the thing that creates success. It's not just an individual developer. And I think in your, you know background that that's where we see things moving forward which is good teams can build anything they can build software they can build spreadsheets they can build processes they can build whatever and i think good teams don't just mean good software teams as we talk about in the agile world but they mean good just building good teams right
2: right so and you know as you aptly said greg that Great teams, once they learn to work with each other, they can do anything, right? They, I mean, agreed they have specialized skills and what they are being, you know, what function they're attached to, software or you know maybe operation, finance, whatnot. But once they learn to work with each other, work each other's strengths and weaknesses, they 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 can produce great results, right? And that's what we're looking for, right? Produce these highly performing and functional teams that can work with their specialized skills towards a goal, right? Um, and that's where all of this new way of working comes in, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about more, more human at work, right? Meaning mm-hmm. more, um, you know, giving them this creative freedom on how right. they will be doing work. Um, and I wish I had that, Right. You know, when I was in back in those days, it was all told to us that you know you go fix this by such and such date and right. finish this project.
0: This is your task. This is a requirement. This is your task, yeah. and
2: the dates are set for you. But and there would be even, you know, dev leads who would be saying this is how you do it. Mm. So as this creative developer, I'm kind of dying inside mm. that hey, this is what I need to do. This is what I'm given to finish and, you know, have, these are my design specs, let me just finish it. If I had an idea, there were no takers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, So that creative side and developers kind of died and maybe that was the reason I always had a tussle in me that mm, maybe this is not the right thing for me because my freedom, my, my creative abilities are not given an avenue to be explored
1: or being listened to. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, I just got sad when you said that you died inside because yeah, you were be creative. Yeah, when I yeah.
0: did it, I died because you've said it before, Greg. Like
1: the best innovation comes from like the innocent ideas. Yeah, it's, 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 it's that's where, you, as it, and you also call dev leads, dev managers, mm-hmm. which we just kind of talked about. If you don't nurture that culture and if you don't help the senior management understand why you need to do that, I, used, I tell you a story about how I work for somebody who I've mentioned on this podcast prior to what by the way how do they get a hold of those um, older podcasts uh, it's at agileafterdark.com. right exactly so if you want to go back and listen the Crumpisms, is that's that we're right but into? but one of the things was you know you 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 have to foster the understanding of the senior management appreciating the creative qualities so it's mm-hmm. i used to get the comment why do these guys roll in here at the crack of 9:30 in their pajamas <laughs> and I was like yeah that's what it looks like to yeah. him and yeah. he's like I'm spending money on these guys mm-hmm. and I'm like yeah but they also stay up till 2 in the morning trying to creatively solve a problem mm-hmm. and they're on forums and whatever you know you yeah. know, whatever." be a little less
0: is. worried about the utilization a little bit more about the creative solutions and problem right. solving it's right? not
1: about utilization mm-hmm. it's not about efficiency it's about being effective mm-hmm. right and so all those words get misused and so but senior leadership doesn't understand that they just see guys coming in in their pajamas who may have had uh, a stunted development at 14 years old and would play video games that's what they think <laughs> right and so you have to but but the the point is they don't they don't understand the value of good developers right and good developers earn good money and you know we need to protect that
0: yeah and, and I totally agree and I think you know this is a a good transition. And when we're getting into kind of what's the environment that's right, what's the right balance in terms of, you know uh, people coming in their pajamas at nine thirty versus, you know uh, people being told from a senior developer or an architect or whoever saying, here's the exact requirements. This is how you build it. So that's kind of a little teaser for what we're going to cover after the break. But in the meantime, always remember you can uh, send feedback uh, to feedback at agileafterdark.com. or if you really want to, you know, get uh, some Greg rants because he, he's he's re- he's revving up. I can I'm tell it. There. He's I'm getting, getting there. there. He's getting there. So it's God mm. uh, G A W feedback at agileafterdark, and we'll see you after the break.
1: Okay, so we're here in Apollo thirteen. I'll, I'll Apollo thirteen doesn't always. Okay, yeah, let's just remember, Apollo 13 didn't land on the moon, okay? That's why yeah. we have this saying, Houston, we have a problem. So, we're going to say, Brandon, we have a problem. The Heartland, we have a problem. So, Brandon's going to sort that out. And so, today, we're talking about um, it's a developer's life. Every developer and engineer gets his wings. <laughs> God Straight to. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's a developer's. We're not even there. Not it's even a there. developer's. All right, so we're back. Are you done laughing, Brandon? <laughs> yes. You I drink? think I'm done. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I do. Do you have your drink? I do. Right. So I may be hallucinating this whole thing. but So, true. So, on the break, we went. we Nitin still hasn't finished his cupcake number one. Brandon got another drink. I have the same drink. <laughs> Sass is so, in uh, Nitten's lap now. Sassy. And she's not wrecked Apollo 13 studio in the heartland yet. Yet. By the way, it's not the hard land. It's the heart heartland. <laughs> <right? laughs> it is so the heartland. We're list. just making sure that we make this sure is Agile after dark. So, <laughs> so, Nitin, what are you drinking? You're drinking something.
2: I am drinking gin and tonic. That's my
0: drinkability.
1: You Yeah. Yes,
2: yeah, that's that's what I can stretch for. In a,
0: yeah. in a
1: plastic red cup. Yes. Sure. Brandon's all fancy, fancy. I am, yeah. What I are mean, you myself, doing?
0: Uh, this is going to be relevant later. The Monkey Gland cocktail. Oh, no dear. Uh, it has, sounds fancy. It has a little absinthe in it, so I may be hallucinating this entire podcast. I'm not exactly
1: sure. Okay, well, that's, that's good. I'm just doing my usual bourbon drink. And um, here's the deal. On the break, Ninton <laughs> and I got into it. Okay. Did. We were playing so, a little. We were playing a little footsie earlier, and yeah. Nitten and I, who I adore him, but we're getting into it. What I can't remember even what we were like yelling at each other about now. Niton, can you lead us into that that conversation? Yeah. So we, I think, where we left was
2: the thought that developers are creative people, right? Yep. How do we give them creative freedom to them but at the same time there there's there's also a predictability factor that the management expects from them so where does that balance come in right or how do organizations strike that balance on with 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 their developers because in reality you can throw in people um, team people to manage your spreadsheets, your fancy Gantt charts, or call it whatever, right? At the program level. Oh God, level. he just said
1: Gantt charts. I'm going <laughs> to <But>, You know, <laughs> like, I, oh. mean, I mean,
2: I, or, or, or have, te- you know, throw people at the program level. But it's these developers, the teams who are producing the working software for you. So even if the management unknowingly or knowingly re- doesn't or realizes or realizes... The importance of these creative people; these are the people who are going to produce the working software for you. At least that's what they understand.
0: Yeah, you know, and I'm going to pull a Greg here because I think one of the things that comes to mind is, well, I've been I've gotten to a management level, and the way that I got there was working my butt off to get deadlines, and like regardless of how many man hours, women hours, people hours, I had to get them there. And you know what? I had to go through it. And this is the way that we got stuff done. Shit. This is the way we got shit done. Right? <laughs> let's get some shit done. And, you know, we hit our dates. Yeah, we probably went a little over budget. But you know what? We, 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 we predicted that as management because we knew we were probably going to go over budget. Yeah.
1: So let's just bring that up. Okay. Yeah. So there is the built-in... We're never going to hit it because we don't trust the teams. So we're just going to assume waste in the model, right? Right. That is, if there's anything we can do as people who understand lean and agile principles is reduce that waste. Because that is, that's the biggest crime in all of this is just padding everything because you're just saying, well, people aren't going to do what they say they're gonna do because you'd set them up to fail. Yeah. And by the way, I think that was the first Brandon's rants. Yeah, that was. That was good. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I appreciate it. Would, that. High five. Woo! <laughs> first Brandon's rants. <laughs> set it up on the email.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I mean I mean you've you've seen it from every angle, you know, Nitton. I mean you've seen it from being a developer, being a project manager, which I think most people will agree it was one of the worst jobs ever to being a, you know, getting an agile, being a coach. I mean, you've seen it, right?
2: Yeah. So I, I think that's, that's, that's just a great point on, you know, how you, how you comes back to the same point that your, your working software is still going to be produced by developers, right? Mm-hmm. So the management does understand that the problem is they are hardwired in such a way that it's hard for them to change. If I am programmed in my brain to do things in a certain way for 30 years, 20 years, and suddenly I'm being told to be, you know, let teams be Mm self-organized, decentralized decision-making, I, as a middle management can't let it go off my hands because I'm hardwired.
1: Yeah. So okay. So hardwired. I just wrote that down. Mm-hmm. And let me ask you a question about that. So if, and I'm guilty, uh, have have been guilty in the past about it. Me too. About it. If 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 you're so if we talk about environments in which software developers are. Able to be successful. Mm-hmm. That's the whole. Well, point you of Well, yeah, to this. be
0: successful, let's 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 put it what it is like.
1: They're engaged, right? But that's the whole point mm-hmm. of this whole discussion. Mm-hmm. If if you know if if somebody is hardwired to not be supportive of understanding that you have developers who are creatives, developers who are going to solve business problems. They're going to solve business problems. The business yes. needs to define the problem, but developers are going to solve the problems through technology. We can, we can name countless examples of how that works. They do it every day, every day, Yes. Sir. every day. Right. Yep. So how, how do we, how do we engage with the business who are going to have the problems? If we're going to solve, you know, you
0: know, and, and to be truthful, the statistics back us up on this. Right? Oh, God. Here we go. Here we There's going to be some nerd <laughs> stuff coming. Here it comes. But seriously, in a, in a recent Gallup poll, um, it, it showed that engaged employees produ- – and this is with, like within the last year, not in the 1940s um, – engaged employees produce better business outcomes than other employees across industry, company size, and nationality, and at good ap- economic times and bad, business or working units that score in the top quartile of their organization in employment engagement have nearly double the odds of success, specifically Highly engaged business units have 41% less absenteeism and 17% more productivity. With high turnover organizations, highly engaged business units experience 24% less turnover. Overall, the behaviors of highly engaged business units result in 21% greater profitability for the
1: employer based on the Gallup poll. Okay, so Nitin, with your half-eaten muffin, tell me, what's the problem? Like, why, why don't why doesn't the industry get this? Why, why don't, why do these bad behaviors persist? I think, you know, this is important because yes, the whole this, world economy depends on your, well, hands. and I'm so- glad
0: that we have Nintin here for it because he's seen the gamut from the developer all the way Cobol. through. Yeah, Cobol. Yeah. through the man. pre- project manager, the co, you know, working agile and so forth. So, um, I'm glad he's asking, uh, Nitin this question and not me. Cause you know, I'm drinking my drink. <laughs>
2: I love that the color of the drink. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's you know from from Brandon's comment on statistics, you know, all I heard was engaged employees. Mm-hmm. Engaged employees produce better results. Produce it's not x, highly utilized.
0: Yeah, engaged.
2: engaged employees. Right. They produce the the you know high productivity, x percentage higher. Um, you know you know, better results.
1: It's not efficient, it's effective. It's effective, Mm -hmm. exactly.
2: So I think that's what in reality we're all striving for Mm -hmm. as organizations. Now, why it's hard for organizations to get it down their throat is because they're not used to do that. They are not used to empowering their teams. They are not used to decentralized decision-making because they still want to hold things in their hands. And that's what makes, you know, unhappy teams, unhappy developers. So if we were to give them an opportunity, because in, rea- in 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 reality, things would mm-hmm. still get missed, right? Yeah. Deadlines, ninety-five percent of the waterfall projects miss their deadlines. Right. So that's a fact from For the no, very we beginning. All
0: know sh- from the very beginning.
2: So why exactly. So why not give them this opportunity to do the work and Tell them how they will or do to it. to put
1: it a diff- different way, stop being a liar. Why don't you just stop lying? Because hmm. when you do what you just said, you're just lying. You're lying to yourself. You're lying to your teams because you know that your plan, which has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and I'm going to work my plan till I get to oh my God, end result, the it's, coming it's a back. lie. You're just lying to yourself. So stop yeah. lying to yourself because everybody is going to be happier if you just you know, go along with what needs to happen.
0: And you know the sad thing, and I heard someone say this. Uh, I can't remember if it was at a workshop or a conference I was at, but someone said to me, you know, maybe it's just going to be in the next generation. You know, with the millennials, whatever they've been working through this process over a while, and then it'll finally all just click because I think there's this this management debt, if you will, of
1: oh, that's interesting.
0: You know, this is how I've gotten to this point and it really does take a person that's able to look at within themselves. That's
1: interesting. Man, management debt. We always yeah. talk about technical debt. How about yeah. management debt? Yeah. Nobody talks about that. Yeah. Wait, that's a Okay. Brandon, just Do we have says, a podcast coming up. I'm going on. That. But I
0: mean, I just, you know, and I think, you know, Steve and others in the past podcasts have alluded to this and it just, this is where we talk about as coaches, like meeting where meeting them where they are and We can do that and say, you know, we get it like, you know, your performance reviews, your way that you've got here was based on, you know, this, you either a very high performer and you really push people or you pushed yourself, you know, and you got stuff out the door or you're really good at statistics or, you know, there's a lot of different varieties of the management people. But I think there's, in my experience as a coach, there's less of those that are just like you every now and then you meet them, you're like, yeah, that's a leader. That person, mm-hmm. as you said, Greg, you got an opportunity yeah. to have like a leadership team where you're like, I will walk through a wall of these people and I'll mm-hmm. go to different companies yep. with them. Yep. You know, uh, it, that's
1: the rare breed. But that's also true when you see people following, you know, from company to company to company. That's yeah. when you know you have a good team, right? And that's when you know you have trust, right? Which, yes. And that's the thing you're. That's talking one of the about, most right? important things,
2: right, for a highly functional team having trust right we talk about five dysfunctions of of a team Mm -hmm. and one of them being the most important being them not having trust yeah right we 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 foster an environment so Mm -hmm. as middle management we always talk as coaches how do we unfreeze this middle layer because my experience that's the hardest layer to to talk yep the team seems to get it yep but it's it's the middle management who's afraid to let go of what they have
1: yeah. they're afraid of their senior managers and they're not they don't have a vocabulary to talk to the senior managers and i would say directors don't know how to talk to vps and vps just you know reign from down. and by the way v, this is uh, this is a rant i'm yeah. starting right yeah. now all right there we go right. Great rants here we go uh, vps have the money And the higher up you get, the more money you have as that is responsible for the more crazy you get. And so everybody from the manager to the director is, is afraid of the crazy people, but they have the money. So you can't do anything about it. So unless you have an environment that fosters, you know, the VP, you know, the higher, you know, executive level, you, you, it's always a challenge because they're like, I don't get it. I don't care. Just here's the date. Here's the scope done, and they don't care about it, right? We can cut this out later. no, but that's no you know, know. the truth
2: so i I think the part is Ruth. how as as leaders we are we are bred or groomed, right? We're always groomed that the whole leadership style of being servant leadership is not a common thing. And I think it works the best in 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 companies or organizations that have, creative people and developers being one of them right so we talked about google we talked about amazon linkedin those are the firms who are producing innovative products out in the market because they have decentralized decision making they're taking ideas from their developers Mm -hmm. and that's the route a lot of traditional corporate americans have started to go ge's you know, created their GE Predix and a platform. GE? Yeah. General Electric? Yes, sir. From
1: the 19... Wait, this is out of Brandon's (laughs) book here. From the 1920s, GE? You're talking about GE? They're doing this? Exactly. So they created
2: a GE Predix, which is a platform which they monetized. And it was all done through this agile, lean ways of doing. And that's, that's the new buzzword. You know, firms like Toyota, they are trying to create these... You know platforms that they can monetize. Now, one way to get there is to create these teams and create an environment around them, which could be a greenfield project or 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 whatnot to 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 sustain such a model, because they know that their traditional corporate would not support it.
0: Yeah, you know it's interesting you say that, because it made me think of going back to my concept of you know is the next generation really just going to be the ones that we had the real breakthrough with. Because when you have companies like Spotify... Now, I hate the whole, oh, we're going to create this Spotify model and stuff like that, right? I'm not a huge fan of that. But even Spotify is like...
1: Just explain that briefly. Well, yeah. So
0: Spotify kind of like... They took Agile and said, okay, it's not really working for us in the day-to-day sense, but... Because we need to have kind of uh, mentors within kind of the same sort of work that they do, whether it's certain level engineers and stuff like that. So they create the same thing with squads and, you know, basically away tribes and, and tribes and stuff like and- that, because they needed a better way for them as a specific organization and the way that they were literally approaching their work. They basically said, okay, and and, and in the last show, I talked about how, you know, uh, one of the the constructors of the the manifesto in a recent um, speech talked about how there's this uh, agile industrial complex, which is this whole concept of, you know, we've we've gotten over the hurdle of like, okay, companies aren't gonna be able to accept agile, right? But now we're, we've got too many just people saying, okay, now we're just gonna like, this is our framework and this is the way we're gonna do it. We talked about replacing pl- process with process, right? And Spotify approached it in a different way, which was just to say, We 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 tweaked, we tried, we adjusted, and so forth. But it was specific to their work. But they were a younger; they're obviously a younger company because they they were a startup. They came out of nowhere. You know, their thing. You know, they really were just trying to like hustle to their customers that we talked about before, and that younger sort of outlook, rather than having that management debt that we talked about. Really made a difference. Well, and
1: someone I'm ask his opinion in a second. That was my second round. I of the will. Day. Did, that was <laughs> nice. And yeah. by the way, I wrote down a few yeah. things that you said there. Um, you know what I always said was that the agile thing was was good in its initial inner, you know, this sort of interstitial way. It was like this in between thing where you would be able to get things done, and now it's become this codified way of doing things and the same thing with lean although i think lean's more successful in being a very stratified thing i'm using a lot of big words all of a sudden i I know
0: we need to you Um, know have you have a little less
1: makers but i think i would i would love to hear your opinion knitting about the fact that is agile now a sham and i'm saying it I just said it and I'm saying it loud. Because we keep having their, these struggles. Their, I mean, it's yeah. a legitimate is it a question. It's, 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 is it a sham? Yeah, like, are we just doing, yeah. is it just become the next, it's you an, know? It's whatever? a buzzword.
2: Exactly as you said, it's it's the buzzword of executives to talk in meetings. Oh, we're agile. We're, we're doing things agile way. We're gonna be, you know, very open to our customers' demand. We're gonna change, you know, frequently based on who we are and, you know, our, our priorities. But in reality, they haven't really imbibed those values of being, you know, agile, right? The whole agility, the business agility being, hasn't really right. sunk in deep. Being wind. versus
0: doing. Exactly.
2: Right? Yeah.
0: Well, and it was Fowler that was, I was talking about the agile industrial complex, and he also talks about faux agile. Yeah. You so, know, And I think that's your point, exactly. right? Pseudo
2: agile, faux agile. It's, it's good in terms of, you know, elevator conversations, but... When they're over, they're like, who cares, right?
1: Yeah. Well, and the, the whole point of this podcast is trying to bring things to light, the things that people don't want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And and my wife works for a medical skincare company. And so you have these laggards, which, which are health care, sure. which is true. Hey, you know, you don't need to get personal <laughs> on the podcast, Brandon, white guy, Okay. We got a white guy and a brown guy, just, and you a know, pasty white guy. <laughs> it's a pasty white guy and a really Super pasty, pasty white, guy. white guy and pasty white guy. But you know, you 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 everybody. She's in a you know. You have the laggard industries, which are medical. You know, financial services is kind of where it is now. But it's medical. It's it's energy related resources. The, they're going to come around, and they're all just now using these principles, but. They they all don't know what it means. My wife, I li- she literally has me on the speakerphone going, "Hey, listen to this guy talking about agile." And there's mm. some guy just spouting off you business know, agility. Things. Yes, it's like Ugh. ridiculous, Ugh. and they don't even know what it means. Right. And and even in the companies that I'm working with, they have a hard time realizing this is for you. This is a mm. framework that that you need to use, that for you, this is there to help you. It's not a thing that management prescribes to you, right? It's not a thing that management prescribes to you. It is something that you do as a framework so that you can get your work, as you understand it, done, right?
2: Right, so I think agile is a way of life, right? You, I as a coach and how my journey has been, I have learned to take those things not forcibly, but they just become a part of your lifestyle as to who you are. Like my wife my wife is a scrum master and our dinner conversations are very different from a normal <laughs> oh couple. I don't wanna live <laughs> at Nitton's <so laughs> house. <laughs> Nitton and his wife Dude, is a scrum
1: master. And we right. need get together as and a couple she, and she's yeah.
2: a, she's a feminist on top. Oh dear. Uh, so okay. <laughs> All right. oh yeah okay. so actually i like that's it. actually helpful so it, it, it's it's a, it's it's a deadly combination but yeah. so <laughs> it's and i, I was saying was it's a way of life mm-hmm. and we follow our you know our, our personal life through kanban board it's but so what i'm the prime the point i'm trying to make is that you know culturally how cu- corporations have been they want to do the least amount of work and still get the benefit out of agile, mm-hmm. which is not going to happen. Every person at every level in a company has to make it as a part of their, you know, being not not to extend where they take it back home, not necessarily, but understand what it takes to being agile, what it takes yeah. to be respect people, and they want to benefit everything from agile without getting there, and that's the sad part.
1: And what I'm just going to say is, I can't agree more that this is a human problem that we're trying to solve. An agile, but is it a problem? Is it? I mean, when you don't say get a human me started,
0: no, but I'm, when you're saying a problem, because if you're going to say it's a human problem, I'm.
1: No, what might I'm saying is a that. business problem, Pro- okay, right. that can be solved by humans if you understand what hu- how humans behave. Right. That's why, so you can motivate them in the right That's way. That's the clarification yes. I wanted. That's what this does. And that's where we all need to be is focused on how to motivate human beings to do good work and to and and it's complicated. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. It's easy for me to just say what I just said, but it's yeah. complicated. But that's what we need to do.
0: Well, and, then, and to, to kind of wrap up this this section. I mean, I think we've been we have a lot of great points, and it really comes down to in this particular. I'm just episode, getting started. I know we're 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 on a roll we now. We need a drink, Brandon. We're getting into it. We're getting into it. You know, uh, if I have another drink with uh, more absinthe, I may have, like float away. But uh, yeah, so I think these are really good points in terms of overall we've been dealing with, but like from the level of our show about developers, I mean, this is, you know, we're basically saying, you know, we have a culture of what's the right environment for the creative developers to be most successful. Right. And that's kind of what we were getting into and there's a lot of issues there, but when we get into the next section, it's kind of after the break is how do we then work with the non-millennial managers that are there right now to kind of have some empathy, to have some understanding Jesus, of the developer's the life. Section? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> How do we get to that point? Uh, so, uh, we're going to take a quick break as always, uh, send uh, feedback to feedback at agileafterdark.com. I'm going to have to come up with an email address for uh, Brandon's rants cause I've been on two yeah, in this section good. already. Yeah. But, uh, we look forward to uh, meeting you on the other side.
1: Well, I'm just going to attack you, Yeah, basically. sure. Do that. <laughs> yeah. I love that.
0: Yeah. And I'll kind of be on your side, and I got the research to back me up, too. Okay. So. You
1: have no research to back me up. My opinion you, is huh? right. Yeah. <laughs> your opinion is never right. My opinion is right. <laughs> saying it right now. It's recording. My opinion is right. <laughs> That's a sound bite That's right there. <laughs> I'm pointing at the recording <laughs> device.
0: Craig's, Craig's rants on the recording device. <laughs> 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 I am right. <laughs> it says so. Welcome back, everyone. We just kind of wanted to get into, you know, in the last section, we talked about, you know, that there are certain things that need to be in place for developers to feel engaged. And, you know, how do we do that? But we also discussed, you know, kind of the challenges with getting management and upper management to understand how to foster that, right? And one of the words that's kind of hot right now, and I kind of want to analyze it because it is agile after dark, right? Is this whole concept around developer empathy. You know, is this a thing and is it needed based on what we discussed in the previous sections? I'm I'm kind of curious. I I throw it out to both of you uh, to to see what your thoughts are.
2: So I think as, as coaches, we always talk about, you know, empathy being, and not sympathy, right? There's a big difference between empathy and sympathy. Um, that we empathize with, with with people, right? We empathize and cats, with, obviously, and and cats and dogs, <laughs> um, and it's just a, a different set of emotional skill set to have.
1: So just just I I I think it's really interesting that you touched on that. And so just describe just briefly sympathy versus empathy for everybody.
0: I mean, I can get into it. I mean, from a scientific side, right? So um, kind of empathy as a concept, you know, um, interestingly enough, both of you guys have kids, right? Yes. So Three year old. Uh, there was a study done recently. This is a study that your your wife probably... Study, this
1: is from 1945? No, no, it's, <laughs> a, it's a recent study, <laughs> right, but good. probably a study that your wife
0: uh, brought up because she was like... Probably. This, this is something... <laughs> Because she, she usually across. says to
1: me when I yeah. try to like it, 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 it say, "Well, why does that make?" She's like, "Well, it's a it's a study," and that is it, <laughs> like if she says "study," then it just means it's correct, even yeah. though it's totally crazy. Yeah, oh, don't listen to this, Alice. No, well, I think Alice
0: is probably right, and you're wrong. It's probably the usual okay. Thing. Well, we'll see. So, as early as eighteen to seventy two hours following birth. Newborns who are exposed to the sound of another infant crying often display distress reactions, a phenomenon referred to as reflexive or reactive crying. Now, of course, everyone's kind of like, oh, I'm hearing crying, I'm getting upset. But no, newborns are more strongly to another infant's cry than any variety, any other variety of control stimuli, including silence, white noise, synthetic cry noises, non-human cry sounds and their own cry. And so this is stress this sorry this uh, suggests that infant distress reactions to the cry of another infant are not simply a response to the adverse noise uh, of a cry rather they are they are a precursor to empathetic responding. So even from our early early parts of birth we are genetically built to empathize versus sympathy which is oh oh I'm so sorry Greg you know, you didn't make
1: the last podcast. That's too so bad. Sim- so. Okay, thanks for that shot. But <laughs> what I so sympathy is more of a it, it's it's more of a gesture right. versus more of an, an L- emotional I reaction. I right? feel it in my in my own
0: bones. I feel like I can actually like sit there and understand where you're coming from.
2: Yeah, and I think that's that's a great point you bring, Brandon. Because you know, to your point, Greg empathizing is putting yourself in someone else's shoes right as you know we 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 go and we we say we as coaches we empathize what we're trying to say is yes we coming you know putting ourselves in your shoes we understand how difficult it is to be a change agent right um now sympathy on the other hand has a, you know some pity con- connotation to it um, it's yeah. not as it's, yeah. it's it's not it's hollow it's it's more right. hollow it's more shallow it's it's more has you know a sad pity con you know connotation to it oh yeah i empathize you know that happened to you but in reality we're not putting ourselves in their shoes
1: yeah
2: and that's what people in today's world want that we don't need your pity we want you to be in our shoes and feel what I feel. Yeah, and that's what we we want to to be doing with with our teams. Just
0: like I wanted to like turn off the fake fire because it was being
1: way too loud. And it was annoying. annoying. But I I will, I will say this, and I think the the especially the industries that are are adopting agile, which is financial services, and we, we talked about these things before. Uh, you know, resources. They they're desperate. To emerge in the market in a way that they're being innovative, you know, and, and they're, they're desperate to try to get something done and they think agile is the answer. Yet if they, uh, if they approach it from a sympathy perspective, they're never going to get there because they're not all in. Right. I mean, that's the problem is you have to be all in on this if you're going to, and the sympathy thing doesn't work. I mean, it's just, you know, you have to be all in on emotionally supporting your teams. And that sounds hippie, but... <laughs> no, yeah.
0: well, I mean, and I think, you know, it's literally neuroscience, right? There, you, We have these parts of our premotor and surrounding areas of the frontal and parietal lobes that literally are triggered when we're seeing something that we kind of understand and they kind of automatically form the basis for higher levels of empathy with emotional engagement through matching kind of the integral, uh, outcomes from the percent of taking. So basically is if I'm seeing something that you're going through, there is a part of my brain that says, Hey, I can recognize that. It's then what we choose to do with it. Right. And so the fact that we are all built as similar humans, right and we all are able to process things the same way. What's the hump that we need to get over in terms of is it that management debt that I talked about earlier it's just like kind of the implicit, you know, memory of like this is how I got here and going against that or is it, you know, getting past the fear. Is it fear? It may be fear, right? So
2: I'll give you a very simple example, Brandon. So I tell my 3-year-old kid don't do this. Hmm. and I said, keep on repeating, don't do this, don't do this, and he does the exact opposite. Hmm. In fact, he comes and he bites me. <laughs> so um, he's, he's on his mom, but whatever. <laughs> so, but on the other hand, if I try to take him on a side and try to tell him in a nice way, this is not what he should be doing, and why is he doing it, and I, I try to empathize with him, at least I see a different behavior. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen overnight. Hey,
0: you get down at his level. I, I'm getting his down at his level. level.
2: I'm I'm empathizing. Right. I understand you're mm-hmm. angry. I understand mm-hmm. you have anxiety. Or but you know, this is not what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. So I think today's generation, today's age, they want to be empathized mm-hmm. and not being sympathized. Mm-hmm. And that's the point where a lot of corporations are missing that it's so E- it's so I won't say easy. It's so simple to get down to their levels and empathize with our teams and developers, mm-hmm. what they really need, create that environment for them, and 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 support them, right? Because that's right. what we want. Right. But it's 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 not easy.
0: Right? Well,
1: and they also don't want to be condescended to, right? They're smarter. Well, they're in the knowledge that. economy. This they, is this is the yeah. whole
0: where it's we're in a different place than we were, let's say, 10, 15 years ago, right?
1: Yeah and i have two girls who are 15 and 17 and it's the same thing it's like you have to rationalize with them in a different way than just telling them hey i've been there and i'm the old man who's been there like it's it's you have to rationalize what it what the benefits are for them to behave in a certain way and that's a hard thing to do and yeah. Yeah. it takes very a lot hard. of effort right it is very hard. and as a manager that's a lot of effort. If you have ten people, you're trying to man, you know, manage. So let's,
0: you know, in the in the scale world that we live in now, right? I would say the percentage is pretty low in terms of the amount of program managers, portfolio managers, what have you, that are past developers. Is, is that fair? I don't know. I and mean, a lot of the projects that I'm at, that's Even if they're in systems, they were business analysts or, you know, kind of functional requirements, you know, makers or what have you at some level. So how do you develop that empathy when you've actually never engaged in that sort of creative, as we said, the very first section? How do you understand and get to their level when you are having a a hard understanding of what they do? You fire them. Fire (laughs) who? Which ones?
1: I, I think it's 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 that is the challenge because yeah. even if you recognize it, trying to translate that to people who either have a past history, which you and I were just talking about the break, mm-hmm. yeah. who have a certain perspective on how things should work versus people who are younger, who need to learn, who not need to learn, but do should learn a different way of doing things. Like it's, 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 but that's what, Today's manager is—it's mm. not. That's the challenge. It's not about where's the challenge. It, where I don't see it. Mm-hmm. Where is it? But it's but the, the the new manager isn't about tasking people to do things. It's about inspiring people to be great. Mm. And that's what a good manager should do. And so and is
0: it more the inspiration?
1: Because we were talking
0: about empathy, right? The inspiration. I 100% agree with, but I'm going to kind of challenge you on, on this, Greg, How and I'm probably going to look at knitting How on this. Dare you. I think, you know, we have probably touched on the inspiration thing on quite a few podcasts, which I think, you know, we've kind of gotten our point across, but we always can revisit it. Right. But it's, we've never really touched on the empathy side. Right. We've never touched on the fact that, you know, whether it's portfolio program or whatever, you know, there's a certain level of, okay, the team owns the work and they understand it best. But it's more of, you know, here are the challenges that developers have on a team.
1: But here's what I would say. Because they're creative. You can't be empathetic and and not be a good manager if you're not opening yourself up from an emotional perspective to understand what causes them right. to inspire them. So to mm-hmm. me, okay. inspiration and empathy for. go together. They do. Because those two things, you have to understand somebody yeah. to get well, okay. to so, inspire them. So, you know, Nid and I from the NBA
0: side, probably, like we got a lot of courses on inspiration yeah. and oh, how Jesus. to like, you know, inspire workforce sure. sure. and all yeah. this kind of stuff. It had nothing to do with empathy. You know, it's like, read, read emp- this How book? do you inspire
1: somebody if you don't know what their motivation well, is? Well, and,
0: and so when I say I challenge you, I'm saying... I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm saying the general world of management doesn't tie those two together. So I'm not saying it's not a good point. I'm just saying that a lot of kind of the management world, when you go to MBA and you kind of get your management degree and what have you, or if you just kind of work your way through the company, you can say, I'm the rah, rah, like, this is what I want. And this is why I want it. And like, we're going to kick some ass and like, let's go do it. It's very different than empathizing. Yeah. Well, go ahead.
2: Yeah. So sorry, Greg, but, Brandon, are you saying which I think kind of resonates with what I'm thinking too? That maybe your education system needs to evolve, right? We, I, I, to you guys right here. There, there were conversations mm-hmm. and few topics in, in in MBA about how leaders today have to be more emotional. They didn't, mm-hmm. they didn't get to different aspects no. of what traits, maybe no. empathy. Um, I think it's the new age of you know, leadership, Mm -hmm. um, what it used to be earlier of command and control and the different set of characteristics and the qualities that came with it were being discussed and talked in, in the, in in education and B school programs. But now it's, it's all about, I wouldn't say completely, but at least in the IT side and some of the other functions is about how can we let these creative people manage themselves, give them that freedom. So it's about the concept of servant leadership that is evolving and mm-hmm. firms are looking up to it. So I think there there's probably you know, an opportunity for our education system to to include these in, in their curriculum.
1: I learn on the streets, yo. <laughs> hey, you can also read my uh, Harvard Business Review Oh a case study God. which dresses. Come on, this. Greg. Oh um, my if you want God. to you can go to Harvard Business Review.com on my LinkedIn
0: page. Blah, oh blah, my blah. gosh. But all right, so I kinda wanna kinda, I totally, I'm joking, but yeah. I totally agree with no, everything I didn't, you right? just said. I, I, I think it's right. it's, it's you, it. you know, it's it's a multi-level. Generational, but you know who's to say
1: that the money is when they get up to where they're at. But it's not, you know, it's not general I don't like this generational talk. Well, it, it's just I'm just trying to... human beings. Well, doing doing the right thing to right. motivate people. Well, like,
0: but what I'm saying is, agile. We've, we've as we've got we've gotten over that hurdle, or not even hurdle. We've gotten over that high jump. Of the initial like this is agile so now we've got people that are in the world of agile and stuff well, and they're and kind like of seeing said, the benefits the of it industrial complex yeah exactly so we've kind of like gotten over the initial like high jump but now we're doing hurdles I'm sad right now yeah Brandon. i know i'm sad because no, no. i
1: realized there's a thing called agile industrial complex and that we're like now we have to like revolutionize and Yeah, Like we have to go to the next place. Yeah. Well, I think we've done
0: quite a bit on this podcast. I mean,
1: don't you agree? Like this isn't, this has now become a word that uses
0: us before
1: it uses, you know, it's like,
2: and you know, this
1: was, this is
2: so cool that we all were talking about taking it to the next level. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. How are we bringing our real world experiences to this conversation? Right. And I think we did. And, and, And we didn't, you know, i, I That's our challenge. It's amazing, yeah.
0: That's yeah, our challenge, you know. And we, and as you know, as uh someone that's very near and dear to all of us here at Agile After Dark, where's the challenge?
1: Yeah, uh, you Mr. Know, Mr. Tony Crump. But I do. I would end on, on your note. I think we live it every day. Yeah. We're doing this, yes. and it is. It's not easy, mm-hmm. and it's about human beings, mm-hmm. and human beings have real lives, yeah. and. You know, our job is to make sure that they have a sustainable income. We used to say, again, going back to Mm Crump, diapers and shoes. Like our job is to make sure people are, you know, have the right skills that they need to in today's workforce to make sure that they're doing the right kinds of things. And that's, well, I think what we're trying to do is try to expose things that
0: just are. Well, you know, we have the statistics in terms of the engagement. You know, if you have an engaged workforce where people are coming in every day, who doesn't want to do that? Who doesn't want to come in every day and say, what I say matters? And as a developer, whether it be 15 years ago to now, and saying that I'm in an environment where I have the opportunity to do stuff and I have empathy or at least understanding from the management that I work with, that if I have that all together with your idea of a vision and empathy together, what, what can't we do? Yep. I mean, right? it's, a, it's a
2: perfect world. Yeah, and, and I
0: haven't seen it yet, but I think there's enough people that are fighting the good fight like we do. Yeah. You know, and uh, I think we'll get there. So I'm going to wrap up uh, this episode, I think, uh, really kick some ass, and I'm really excited about uh, the conversation that we had. Um, again...
1: Where do we go for feedback? Because, I mean, we
0: want that, right? Yeah, we do want feedback. We want, uh, are
1: we launching for real? Are we doing this thing? Yeah, we're on. Brandon, man. are we? I mean, but are we going to really fire. launch it? Yeah,
0: no, we're on fire. Uh, check us out at agileafterdark.com. You'll see the most uh, recent episodes at the top. Uh, but feel free to, to browse through the catalog. You know, I spent a little time trying to come up with some creative titles uh, and you know, Greg and I kind of uh, play around with the language so that uh, we make it fun. But we also kind of get into the deep stuff, like we did tonight. So, uh, but it's
1: not like any podcast around Agile you're going to hear. It's different. Nope. We're trying and to Whether you like it or not, we're stuff. not going to change. That's right.
0: So, Nitin, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's a pleasure having you.
2: Same here. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks, yep. Greg.
0: And uh, we'll sign off and uh, catch you on the flip side.
1: So Brandon, this so you've turned on the 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 faux fire. The, the fire. Yeah, the faux fire. Yeah, it's just like it's like a projection of a fire that yeah. you you
0: can actually put turn on a thing where it actually gives heat, but no, this is just like the ambiance. So it's kind of like
1: companies that say they're going to be agile, but they're really not. <laughs> is that what we're talking about? Yeah. It looks right. nice though, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Litten? Yeah. So it's this a, is like faux agile. Is,
2: There's no heat. Yeah. They're not agile. <laughs> they they're pretending to be agile, but they're not agile. There's
0: Welcome. no heat. Welcome to Agile Out the Dark. I think fireside chats.
1: I think that that might be the new thing. Hey, if you don't have Agile with heat, you don't have anything.